Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. got Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and on this Monday afternoon I'm joined by James McKenzie. James who uh, valiantly held the fort while I was away for a couple of weeks, James, and uh, you've done brilliantly. You must be missing it. Yeah, it was every single day having to try and come up with as many new topics as possible and a transfer window where Celtic weren't really spending a lot of money or getting linked by a lot of players. It was, it was quite difficult at first and of course... The day after I stopped hosting the show, I think a new kit got announced. Jota left. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers done a press conference. It, was, of course, and it all fell in my lap. As soon as I've left. <laughs> it all fell in my lap. You mentioned a Brendan Rodgers press conference. He's obviously been speaking to, um, I think it was Mark Benstead up at uh, Sky Today, up at the park. Uh, didn't see him, got to say. I was up at Celtic Park this morning. We were recording a wander around paradise. Uh, what? Why do we do that? Well, it's a new show on the channel, James. It's a different look to the Axon Bulletin that isn't going to change. We're going to keep the Axon Bulletin as it is. I'll tell you what, when we do the live events, the amount of people that come up and say that you're in my living room every afternoon, it's um, it's interesting and it is really greatly appreciated because um, I think that a lot of people say that you know during the pandemic it was something that gave them a bit of structure around their afternoon. Um, and my response always is it gave us a bit of structure as well, James, because I had to go live at 12.30 every day and I knew that I had to be prepared for that. So we go up to Parkhead and we go up to Celtic Park or Paradise, uh, whatever you like to call it. Um, we record a wee roundup of the week's events every Monday morning. goes out at 6 o'clock on the channel. And it's a fully produced video, so it looks a bit different. gives you a wee look at um, the sunshine and this morning the rainfall around Paradise. It looks different every single week, James. And it's something that eventually, you know, if an Axon contributor is available or if somebody else is available and they want to put a message across, we can get you involved. Um, I'm not sure if it's a wee bit early in the morning to be at Celtic Park for 8 o'clock for you, though, James. Yeah, if, if the 900 bus still runs <laughs> fine, but I'm Glasgow about that time, I could, I could maybe make it through. I'll be at your door at seven in the morning, rattling on the door. It's always great to go up to uh, the dear old paradise. And that, of course, was the name of a book written by David Potter. David Potter very sadly passed away over the weekend. We learned uh, this yesterday. And, you know, he's a, he's a guy who I've got to say over the last dozen years, over the last 13 years, I've been in regular touch with David. And he helped me with my books. He was always on the end of a phone. You would see him um, at some of the local events, like the Johnny Thompson events, etc. Celtic Graves Society events. He was an incredible historian, a brilliant author. And to date, 
Um, as far as I'm aware, no one has written as many books as David Potter has about our football club. Um, the only person coming close, I reckon, would be Roger Bailey because he had a great series of playing for Celtic books. But David dedicated so much of his life to not just following Celtic, but researching the history, documenting the history. And he's a great, great loss. So I've got to say thoughts and prayers genuinely with every member of his family and all his pals as well, of which there are many, James. He was a bit of an inspiration for a, a young guy, I say young, um, or a new author, let's just say, when I entered the field of writing Celtic books. And he was always on the other end of the phone, which is something of a dream for a guy like you as well, you know, breaking into journalism. Um, it's great to have people like that, isn't it? Yeah, so when I was looking at Twitter, I didn't know of David before he passed, but you get this a lot with people. You don't realise sort of how loved some people are until they passed, and you see the tweets streaming in, you see the tributes sort of flowing in, and you realise how much these people actually mean to others. David Potter, as you were mentioning, a lot of Celtic books, and a guy who loved the club, just like everybody else did, a bit more than some other fans might have, but it's... The fact that he was going to help a lot of people get into that field as well. The fact that he helped yourself and was there to speak to yourself whenever you needed sort of a bit of guidance, it's, it's great. And rest in peace to David. Absolutely. I always remember he came through, we'd done a, a podcast in the early days of A Celtic State of Mind. It was after the um, the Invincible treble had been wrapped up. It was probably that week, to be honest, or certainly within a fortnight of that game. And um, we just sat in the kitchen when it was a kitchen table podcast where a pot of tea, a big plate of Kirimur uh, gingerbread and we got stuck in talking about Celtic and uh, David was fantastic. So yes, well remembered. And if you want to listen back to that, actually, it's on the YouTube channel. Go and have a listen to it. I think about an hour, uh, David waxing lyrical about his beloved Celtic. He loved the club and he'll be sadly, sadly missed. As a Celtic follower says on YouTube, afternoon all sad to hear of David Potter's passing. A true Celtic biographer, rest in peace, uh, also on the back of that as well. I seen Roger's interview on Sky Sports and was pleasantly pleased. He seems hungry for improvement and success. And that's where the tagline comes today, uh, James. We're going to be talking about the Wolves game, how prepared we are, tomorrow night's game, everything else that's happening. But Roger's gave a bit of info around uh, transfers. And I think that we've got a different beast this time round. I think that when he came to Celtic, he thought he was going to um, you know, rule the world his way. You know, he was going to do it his way. And, and eventually when it got to the point, and by the way, having interfering parties within the recruitment of your football team must be very, very difficult. But once it got to that point where he was trying to push the envelope on silence, for example, um, you know, the club were having this position. Rogers was over here. He wanted this position in terms of fees and, uh, you know, the type of player we were signing. What I took from today's interview was that they're on the same page. He's, he is focused, he is hungry, but he seems very realistic when it comes to the transfer business we're going to be doing. Yeah, Philip, you're going to compare sort of Rogers' second time around to the first. You could say maybe when the first time he came in, they had a bit more ego than he does now. I know there was a lot of Colin Rogers an egomaniac when he'd left and everybody was hurt. But he'd come from being second place in the Premier League with Liverpool this close to winning the Premier League with all of this sort of staff behind him. Everybody telling him he's, he's amazing because of what he'd done with that Liverpool team. And he'd come into Celtic and thinking, right, I'm going to have complete control over all of this. I've come, I've just come for the, one of the top teams in the Premier League. I've got to come in here. I sign this player, whatever I say goes. And we can't deny the team was successful, of course. Invincible season, the first time around, but as you had mentioned, the interfering parties. There was still some problems there which seem to have gone now it seems like sort of it seems like Mark Law is the man that's controlling everything Mark Law seems to be having a big say because I don't think Brendan Rodgers without Mark Law's help would have pinpointed Yang Hyun Jun as a player he would have wanted to bring in it's Celtic's changed a lot we spoke about that when Rodgers first got appointed we spoke about how much Celtic's changed and even just the scouting network at the club in general where going into these untapped markets we're playing a different style of football we're getting players who have a point to prove and we've now got Brendan Rodgers back who you could say has a point to prove as well he was basically laughed out of England and then the jobs he's been like within England I think he was like the Spurs job they're like no we don't want Brendan Rodgers we don't want Brendan Rodgers so it seems like if he's looking to build up his reputation again a bit like when he came to the club the first time 
it's great to it's going to be a case of building a reputation and winning trophies with Celtic and going towards the transfer window on the right plan it sh- should all help him on his way to that. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, James, how quickly the manager's stock can rise and fall. Because, you know, I think uh, Alan Morrison's certainly written quite a bit about the, the three seasons, the first full seasons um, that Brendan was at, at the club when he was at Leicester, that is. Because obviously he had that section of a season, then he, he had three very good seasons at Leicester, and then the final one where he's left before the end of the campaign, which they got relegated in. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how people just remember the end rather than the three years before that where he's done extremely well. So I think that if Brennan Rogers comes and does exactly what he's promised in the, the very first press conference and stays for three years and delivers the trophies and delivers progress, and hopefully part of that progress is in Europe, um, then, like you say there, the stock has been built back up and he may well look to go elsewhere. Maybe that next step isn't the EPL. Who knows what it is? Maybe he has ambitions to go into international football or uh, coach in Spain because he speaks a lingo, apparently. Um, (laughs) doesn't mention it much, though. Jungle Line, I saw some of your pictures on your socials. It looks as though you had a great time. Uh, We will be talking about Celtic in Dublin, the game, um, who impressed, and everything else around about that trip as well. Paddy Lavery, afternoon to you. I was speaking to someone on Friday night who knew you from... Uh, your neck of the woods as well, Paddy. And Edward Moore, uh, how many players do you think Brendan will sign before it shuts? Right. Let's start with this one then from Edward James. Um, he was talking about, uh, you know, not going out and signing 15 or £20 million pound players, Brendan, you know. And uh, that, that's a conversation we've had over the last few weeks. I use the example of that pre-season when we're going for the 10, Neil Lennon's in charge, and we kind of change tact a bit and we go out and we sign... Obviously, Shane Duffy came in um, on loan and I think he, he comes in at that point and, and I've not done it yet. I keep promising to do it. Go back to the not only the tweets that Celtic sent out but the, the shows that we did at that time and we were all pretty buzzing about the fact that, that Shane Duffy was, was coming to Celtic. Um, Albion Ayeti, you know, delighted we were signing a, yeah, a striker so from the EPL. It didn't help that Shane Duffy's first two games for the club, I think he scored. Scored yeah. two games in which they had us all excited. Everybody who was thinking he was, he was going to do well. And I think it might have been, I think it was the game just before we played Rangers at Celtic Park. Mm. I think Shane Duff had a bit of a dodge one. I think it might have been Kilmarnock away when we drew. The, that, the warning signs were sort of there. And then from there it was just, even Albert Ayeti, he sort of hit the ground running in his first oh. few months at Celtic. I think he scored an absolute corker against Dundee United, if I remember correctly. 1-0 game. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just yeah. That was the last minute goal. I remember I'm scoring an absolute sort of thunderbolt a goal when we played them at Celtic Park as well. But it's just from about that October month onwards, things just really started to go down fast, and sort of the, those players, the form went off an absolute cliff. Oh, they, they definitely did. And, you know, I think it's a cautionary tale. We could go out and announce today that we've signed two players, let's say for five million quid. It doesn't necessarily, you know, tick the box that we need ticked. And the way that Brennan was talking today, I, I do feel that it was a far more realistic Brennan Rodgers talking about the fact that he's going to work with the um, strategy that's already in place at the club. He's name-checked. Uh, Mark Lowell, like you said before, the recruitment of those players, it's all happening in the background. He will say yes or no to that. Um, and, and, you know, when you look back, he's probably got regrets and probably those at the club have got regrets as to why that, um, you know, you know, ultimately filthy bits at the end in terms of the relationship between Brendan and the club. And, you know, is there any apprehension in your mind, James, going into the game tomorrow, which we will come back to in more detail, about um, obviously a section of the support who weren't happy about Brendan coming back? Do you think that has been quickly forgotten? It seems like you've sort of brought up that memory back into my mind. I completely forgot about the Green Brigade's initial reaction. I think I mentioned on the shows that followed that, that it's an appointment that was already created division. You don't want to cause more of that by bringing up a banner of our oh, we don't forget sort of banner at Celtic Park. It's you want to get the club on side if you're looking to sort of push on in Europe. You're not going to do that with a split fan base with split opinions. It's the way to get the fans on side is by winning games. So I'm yeah. sure the 
play the first game of the season and we put four goals past them. I'm not too sure who it is we've got in the first game, but we'll put four goals past them. I'm sure play some good football. I'm sure that'll get the fans back on side. But you, you'd want to be avoiding that division. I don't think we'll see something like that. Even at James Forrest testimonial, it's a guy who's sort of dedicated his entire career to the club. You don't want to... Um, sort of tarnish a celebration of his Celtic career by sort of letting your protest get in the way of it or whatever. I mentioned last week, I thought James Forrest was past it, which the comments didn't really take too kindly for, but we we can all acknowledge that James Forrest has had lots of great moments in his Celtic career and he's been a dedicated servant to the club and it'll be, hopefully a good crowd can turn up for it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I hope so. And we will talk about this, but I'm going to go back to the point, how many do you think we'll bring in? Or, you know, a big comment that I've seen on the socials and also on the on the comment section on the YouTube channel, James, how many of the, the five players that have already come in are going to be starters? Now, by the way, it's all down to the player. It's all down to the player. And I've said this time and time again, I don't think the first four players were brought in to start straight off the bat for Celtic. I think that they've been in, brought in to bolster the squad. You look at the the profile of each of the players, obviously from different parts of the world, but the profile in terms of their age, their kind of value, their sell-on value, the potential of that. And you look at the four of them and you think, well, I don't think uh, any of them are, are going to, any of the right-wingers are going to start over a badder. I don't think that home um, or Kwan are going to, you know, displace Matt O'Reilly, Callum McGregor or Riho Atati. I'm pretty confident that they're, that they're not straight off the bat. But as the season develops, you know, with form, suspension, all that kind of thing, then they, they start coming in, do they take their chance? Yes. Then they're, you know, deserving of a place the following week. That's the way that's going to work. I think it's different when it comes to Noroski, though. I think that he has been brought to the club in the way that I want us to bring in a left-back and a goalie. They're not guaranteed jersey, but you want to bring them in to really push for that first-team jersey. You know, the injuries to Kobayashi and Cameron Carter-Vickers and also Starfield will probably mean that if fit, he'll play tomorrow night. Um, but that's the way I look at the signing so far. You've got the four guys where the, the deals are already in the works, James, and they're going to have to obviously work and push in to the, the team. Uh, but by the way, that was the same situation Rio Atati was in when he came to the club. It was the same situation that Matt O'Reilly was in. And when they got the opportunity, they proved that they were obviously worthy of the jersey. So, um, yeah, it's a difficult one to know until Brennan Rodgers starts uh, selecting uh, his starting 11. But Tomorrow night's game, James, for me, is a different type of game than it would have been um, had Ange stayed at the club, there was no change in manager and it was a testimonial. And I think it's the same with the two Japanese games over there. I think that they were very much a brand exercise and, you know, they just ticked along nicely. They became an assessment process for Brennan Rodgers. And I think the the, the Wolves game at the weekend and tomorrow night's game is all about you know, tinkering uh, with the team now to try and figure out what's your best 11 for Saturday's game against Ross County. So there's a whole different, uh, for me, there's a whole different look to the last couple of games, the last four games. Yeah, if if Ange was still at the club, it would have just been just another game. The focus would have been on, as I mentioned earlier, celebrating the career of James Forrest. But instead, it's like, game what provides room for Brendan Rodgers to experiment as much as he can sort of try out some tactical tweaks or have some sort of face-to-face conversations with the players and training to sort of really try and work on developing their game. The, the team's only going, to be, only going to improve by playing games of football. 
and playing against Premier League opposition, as well as the J League, which we know now is um, of of a high quality, then especially when the teams are about three quarters away through their season, these are games that are going to be testing the club going into this season. It's, it provides the perfect platform for Brendan Rodgers to experiment as well. But we're not going to know how much of a role these new guys are going to play until the season really starts. I think Navrocki is probably the only one who I could see potentially displacing our starter. I thought I'd mentioned the blog quite a lot that I thought the gap between Carter Vickers to Starfelt and then the gap from Starfelt to the rest of the centre backs at the club it was too large. You can't be having that much of a drop off going from your two starters to the rest of the players. I think Navrocki is going to help bridge that. And we'll need to see the first two games this season how confident we could be on him potentially slipping in for our Champions League game. Yeah. The, fact that he, the fact that he's good with both his feet really encourages me because it was really awkward seeing Starfield always having to turn on to his right foot. And you're not going to get that time in Europe. So I think if anyone's going to make an impact, I think it could be Navrocki. I still think the club could use another winner of a potential starting quality. But if Celtic aren't going to sign... Like a fully fledged Jota replacement, and it's going to be on a Leal Abada to step up. He's going to be the man who's going to be the focal point of Celtic's attacks from the wings now. So he'll need to step up definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Ian McGinley, Hail uh, Hail, brothers and sisters, and Hail Hail to you as well. Uh, good afternoon, comrades, says uh, Patrick Harold. It's great to see the regular names appearing on here, and also the new names as well who are getting involved in a Celtic state of mind. Now we've got Jerry Doorstop. Do you think any of the new signings will walk straight into the start eleven? I, I tend to agree with, with Jane. I don't think anyone's going to walk into the, this team, this treble winning team. Um, but of the five, I think the centre half is the one that uh, we really do need to look at and say, well, you're coming in straight off the bat. A wee bit like Starfield when he came in, you know, he signed, he hadn't really been introduced to his teammates and then he's thrown into a game at Tynecastle. John Sweeney, we need a goalkeeper and an upgrade on Taylor for the up-and-coming away games against Aberdeen and Rangers. Right, we'll come back to, to that point, John, because I don't disagree with that. I do think we need a goalkeeper and a left-back. I agree with James, I think we need a left-winger. I think if you've still got time and someone presents themselves uh, or a name is presented very much in the same mould as um, when O'Reilly was presented to us, it wasn't someone we were looking for, then I would also like to bring in another striker. And I think looking at the squad, personally, James, I'm happy with the midfield. I know people disagree with that. People are saying to me they need physicality in midfield. Um, I think our strongest midfield is McGregor, Hatati and O'Reilly. And then you're looking at all the backup. We've already brought in two defensive midfield players in the summer. Uh, we've also got guys like David Turnbull in the building. So I don't think midfield is a concern. But for me, bring in a goalie. And if you're going to do it, get them to challenge Joe Hart. Bring in a left back. Same applies for Greg Taylor. And left wing, I just think we're too short on the left wing. Like if, if Maeda's not fit and he doesn't play, I think the drop down is similar to the centre-half position, James. Yeah, I think even when you look at the quality of player as well, if you think how good is Dais Maida compared to how good Jota is, Jota was levels ahead of Dais Maida. We all love Dais Maida. We all think he's a phenomenal player. The work he does in the park can't be understated, but he's not as good as Jota. And Jota's quality is going to be hard to replace. It's not as simple as I'm making it seem. It's going to take a long process for Celtic. But if, if we can pay the money to try and replace him, I'd love us to do that. I think the comment I mentioned about get a new left-back. I don't think that's needed. I think Greg Taylor proved his place in the team to the point where there was legitimate calls for him to be player of the season. The, the, those calls weren't really ridiculous. The only concern I would have about Greg Taylor is towards the tail end of last season, I don't know if it was just fatigue, but injuries were starting to mm. creep up a bit. There was a couple of occasions where it was only for like one or two games. I don't remember him having a real long-term injury, but those sort of things are going to try to break up the chemistry of the team if there's going to be a player who's in and out, in and out every two seconds. But I don't think we need a new midfielder. I mentioned at the start of the window, before Moy or anything had retired, I thought the midfield was one of the strongest parts of the team. If you were to look at Celtic and you were to name the strongest 11 you can out of the current crop of players available, the strongest position in the park is the midfield. McGregor, yeah. Atty O'Reilly, those three starters are definitely the strongest players in the park. And you don't want to sign more midfielders because none of them are going to displace them. Unless 
Quan comes into the team and scores a hat trick or whatever, I don't think he's going to displace Callum McGregor. It's going to take a real sort of finding yourself. Really got to step up if you are going to displace them. I think you're more likely to see them get a place in the team if a Hatati or a Riley is to leave in January. Like that's what it would take for some of them to get a chance. But I'm really excited to see what Home can do. I mentioned it last Tuesday. That I'm, I'm the fickle type who falls for the type of tags of golden boy or things like that. I mean, those things get me excited. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what home can do. That's a couple of these like scouting accounts I follow on Twitter have been really big on him as well. So yeah. I want to see him get a bit more game time. I'm a bit excited about that signing. Another point I'd make about the midfield there is try to displace those, those three players you'd mentioned, and I agree that's your strongest three. Um, you're looking at displacing a captain of the club, James, but two players that I think are going to go up more levels this season. I think we're going. I, I always spoke last season about versions two of O'Reilly and Hatati because they had developed. You could see it, um, and I know that O'Reilly didn't get enough goals last year. I know that. But, you know, in terms of his assists and his overall play, I think there was an improvement on O'Reilly from the first season and undoubtedly an improvement in Hatati. And if he had not got injured during the season, I reckon he'd have been player of the year. He'd been scooping up all those awards. So not only are you trying to displace a, a, a settled three in the mid midfield, you're also, you know, trying to displace guys who I think are on the up and up plus the captain. So it's going to be very difficult. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of, of home. I've liked what I've seen so far. Kind of floated under the radar a wee bit um, in regards to the, the games that he's played already. I'll be talking about Quan and Yang. I want to speak about Welsh and Scales uh, and also uh, the aforementioned Abada. So Wolves, I thought it was a very good test. What did, did, what did we take away from it? What did Brendan Rodgers learn from the game? I think when you're playing against a team like... Wolves, they've, I think they've got some financial troubles right now, but they are still a Premier League team. As, as much as they may have some financial troubles, they still did spend £40 million on a player this summer. It's a team that is going to be a challenge for Celtic, and for the most part, we looked up for it. I thought mm-hmm. we looked like the better team. I thought Kyogo looked sharp, as he has been all the pre-season. I thought Liel Abada looked really sharp. I think the viewers are going to get really tired of me ranting and raving about Abada pretty soon, because I think he's on for for a big season. But on Stephen Welsh, I think, I thought Stephen Welsh was, from what I saw, I missed the final 15 minutes. But from what I saw, I thought Stephen Welsh looked pretty solid. I think the fans, a lot of them were a bit worried when you're looking at the team going into the game. But I think if you can slip Cameron Carter-Vickers back in the team, which if the reports are true, Cameron Carter-Vickers is going to be back in the team maybe even tomorrow. He could be fit for tomorrow. So when you see Cameron Carter-Vickers back in the team sheet, back in that defence. I think a lot of the panic will be settled amongst fans pretty quickly. But I thought it was it was the right test for the team. And if what I'm hearing about the penalty is true, it seems like it was a pretty dodgy decision. I missed it. I'm sure the comments can fill me in on their verdict of the decision. But on Steve Melch, I thought it was all right from what I've seen. I think Scales has been getting a lot of the plaudits, I think. Mm. It's You'd think he'd played like Maldini for the first 20 minutes, the way some of the people are raving about the performance, but we can't forget that he was pretty poor, he was pretty mediocre at Aberdeen last season. A friendly against Wolves isn't really going to sway me on him, but on Stephen Welsh, I think I've always thought he's a decent option. Um, I rate him higher than Yuki Kobayashi if I'm looking at the pecking order there, but he needs to develop his game. There is weaknesses there, you're lying to yourself if you don't mm-hmm. see the weaknesses and he's not going to develop them by sitting on the Celtic bench. The only way you're going to get rid of those weaknesses is by moving on and that might, might be the best thing for him, although I would like him to get a bit more game time. I think there's going to be players that will surprise us simply because Brendan Rodgers is in the building, James. You know, um, I wrote a list and I keep banging on about it, about players that I expect to leave this, this summer. Stephen Welsh is on it, not because I don't rate him, but because um, I don't think he's in the top... I would say four picks at the moment. But I agree with you, and I mean centre-half-wise, I agree with you at this present time, looking at his performances, I would play him before I would play Kobayashi. Um, and, and I don't want to be too harsh on you know 
culling all these players when very quickly, almost overnight, you end up with five injuries and you've only got two centre-halves unless you bring in Boston Lawell or play Awata there because that would have been the other options that we had if Scales and Welsh weren't playing uh, or if they had departed the club. The thing with Scales for me is when he came to Celtic, I looked upon him very much as a player that you're bringing in because he's he's done very, very well in Ireland and he's got bags of potential. Um, and then he comes into the team under Ange and he had a few good games. There's no denying it. He had a few good games for Celtic. I think um, up at Tanadice. Yeah, he definitely did. Aye, I mean, that was a cracking goal at Tanadice. And, uh, you know, he... I thought played well the, the night that's famous for Tony Ralston scoring the 97th minute winner. I th- he played well that night. But there were other performances where he was left, yeah, I, I think he was left really lacking um, in some areas of his game. And the best thing that could have happened was get him out to a fellow SPFL club so that he can come back and he's at the same level. So I think those games will have benefited him. And he was a, you know, a challenging team last season in terms of the ups and downs of Aberdeen Football Club, James. I think he's come through that pretty well. And there's going to be a big decision to be made around his future. Do you, if you get a bid, let's say if you get a bid of half a million quid in this this window, do you take it for Liam Scales, James? I'm not too sure. Would that be a profit on what we paid for Scales in the first place? Roughly the same. The same fee that we paid. Yeah, if you could break even, you, could, you would you would probably take that. I think the Bodo Glimp game, as much as the the, te- the entire team were pretty poor over the, the two legs against Bodo Glimp, Scales had a standout shocker in the away leg. Yeah. And if you look at all the ups and downs of Aberdeen's season, I think a lot of the downs happened with Scales at centre-back. I think I was in attendance when... Um, Aberdeen got absolutely hammered 6-0 by Hibs at Easter Road and I saw Liam Scales get sent off that day they didn't look very good at all but I think that Aberdeen fans seem to really want Scales to join the club they seem to be pushing it and with the signing of Navrock I don't think there's really a place for Scales at the club I'm always conscious about overhauling certain positions Like we can only send out two centre-backs at the end of the day so I think you'd just be keeping them around for the sake of keeping them around I think It'll probably be best for him to move on. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is with Welsh. There's been loads of, there's been loads of interest over two seasons, over four transfer windows for Welsh, and the time never seemed right because you know. Initially, we didn't know how long Julian was going to be out. You know, that whole uh, period that he was injured and it seemed to go on forever. Um, So we're holding on to Welsh because we didn't really know what was happening with Julian. We brought in, you know, uh, loan deals that that might have turned into permanent deals, but uh, for some reason, Ange didn't fancy it with regards to Maurice Jens. And the result of that is Welsh is still here. Having only played six games last season, but he can't go through another campaign like that. So I really would be delighted if Brendan Rodgers takes him under his wing, James, and develops him the way we know he can when it comes to young players. Uh, David Boyle, having been at the game, I felt Welsh was fantastic. Really commanding, which was a surprise. Taylor is a worry, and Awata is solid. Well, what I like about uh, Awata... Um, is the fact that we now have three options at right back because, you know, that was one of the situations where, um, you know, you you get two injuries like we have witnessed here and you're thinking, who plays right back? And, you know, I know Welsh can play out there. And then Awata steps up and he's been pretty impressive, I've got to say. So he, I think, is going to benefit from having that adaptability. He can play right back. We've seen him at centre-half. He played the Scottish Cup final at centre-half. 
his best position's a defensive mid, no doubt about it, James. But to have that adaptability equals more games in a team like this. Yeah, I think Brendan Rodgers will appreciate that as well. Having a sort of a player that can do all the sort of Swiss Army knife that can sort of step in and do, do it anywhere. They can play defensive midfield, they can play centre back, he can play right back. I don't think it's as clear cut what his best position is because. We've seen some of his best in each of the three positions you mentioned. He showed the qualities to potentially be able to do something in any of those positions. I don't think he'd be displacing Alistair Johnson at right back anytime soon or forcing Cameron Carter-Vickers out of the team. But to have a player that can step in and do a solid job in three different positions, I think Brendan Rodgers is really going to appreciate that. I think of what I'm, might be one of the few players who's started every single game in pre-season. I think he's been in the 11 or at least made an appearance in each of those games so if you're sort of over analysing pre-season which we warn not to do but it's hard not to get a bit sucked at it when you're not getting that much Celtic content it seems like Brendan Rodgers is a big fan of him I think I know Liam Carrigan will be absolutely buzzing with that assessment from myself but he could be in for a big season from him yeah, you know, and it's. Uh, I remember when we when we signed Hatati. If you go back to that as well, people are looking at his previous games and saying Hatati can play left back. Thankfully, we've not had to play him there that often. Um, when we were talking about the Wolves game, one of the first things you mentioned was Kyogo, and I think it's easy to um, talk about the central defensive partnership, the performances that are like Taylor or Awata, etc. And you forget because Kyogo, you, you expect a level of performance from him, but. You know, it would be remiss of us just to, you know, gloss over that and move on. Kyogo was phenomenal. The goal that he scored was tremendous. The wee dink over the goalie that came off the bar would have been a phenomenal goal as well. Um, he looks really, really sharp, James. And the one thing that Kyogo can and I think is capable of adding to his Celtic game is performances at the very, very top level in Europe. Uh, and that's what I'm going to be interested in watching this season. Yeah, Kyogo is so sharp that he can make even sort of the most composed and settled defence look a bit rusty. I think that that's a Premier League defence that Kyogo's just made to look like absolute mugs. Yeah, he's he's a great player. I think we need to see him in a Champions League campaign. A lot of the criticism he gets is that like, he's not really done it in Europe. Ah, hard back to the Europa League campaign the first game of the season. I, I say he can do it in Europe. I think we saw it then. It was just a campaign that was interrupted by injuries last season and that didn't really allow him to play at his best. I think it was, he got injured the first time of the season against Rangers and I think he, he, only released, he only started about two games in the campaign. I remember Yakimakis leading the line for most of it so it'll be interesting to see how Kyogo will do with a full campaign. He had some of his chances, he had some chances in the campaign last year but uh, well, I won't see a bit more of him this year. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and the, the other player that really impressed, and you've already mentioned him, was Abada. I, you know, I'm on your bus. I'm on your Abada bus here. Um, and I've been saying, you know, it, it, the timing of the Jota move, I don't think was great for us as fans. You know, it did, developed, it all kind of just played out in front of us. Fabrizio Romano has even spoken about us not really expecting this to happen this summer, but it has happened. But I think it's opened a door for Abada. Abada has shown us what he can do over a period of two years. And I, the, the, the one thing I would like to see him add into his game is a level of consistency. Um, because you know there was often times when he would come on James and really make an impact as a as a sub, and you'd be like you know he deserves a jersey for the next game, and then he was almost anonymous in the next game if he started, and I just think we need that consistency because he's undoubtedly got it. He's got the tricks, he's got the pace, he's got the finishing, and uh, and the assists because I think what was happening and uh, over in Japan is he was the outball every time playing a badder. He's brilliant running onto it. He's fantastic at that. And he showed that again, I think, against uh, Wolves. But I pointed this out after the game. There was also a moment where it was just basically a badder showing that he's confident and he's, he's up for it and, and he's focused and he's direct. And he was out, out in the left and, he, and the way they brought the ball down was superb. It really was sublime. But then, you know, rather than just get rid of the ball, he's then not made the right back. So he, he really fancied it, James, you know. And I think what we're going to get from a badder this season, if we're able to keep him, and I hope we, we, we can, as a player who, under the tutelage of Brennan Rodgers, can take his game to another level. Yeah, he's got something that you can't really teach, you can't coach into someone, and that is the knack for pop him up in a big game. 
a big moment where the team needs you the most, he could pop up with a goal, and you can't coach that. That's just that's just a mentality thing. The players that raise their games to the big occasion, the derby matches, when the team's back is against the wall, we need a late goal. He can be the player that could pop up with that. I think you mentioned he was a bit inconsistent. You, I, I could perhaps give you that one. I might, I might slightly disagree. I thought he, he's playing that often, but he's appearing off the bench for about 20 minutes. You're not really going to get the full chance to see much of him, but he might have fell victim to the fact that how good Jota was as well and the fact that he might have gone a bit underappreciated just because of the fact that Jota was so good. But we, I'm sure we can all agree it's going to be a big season for him. A lot of the more the attacking onus is going to be on him to pop up with the goals because you've lost Jota. You've lost what he adds to the team in attack. But we know the connection Abad and Kyogo have. We saw it in the early days of Ange Ball. It's, they've got the song together. It's that That's how tight the connection is between the two of them. I think... Um, Abada drives Kyogo to training actually, if if I if I remember correctly. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see what they can do this season. Ah, without a doubt. I mean you can't underestimate, I don't think, the importance to Abada of near Beaton. Particularly obviously when he's arrived as a young kid and in that first season. And he's spoken about it. Season two, I'm not putting it down to you, you know, Beaton leaving leaving the building. Absolutely not. But you know, there was that a bit of a drop off, I think, in his performance. There certainly was in his minutes. He played about a thousand minutes less, which is a lot of game time for a for any player uh, in season two compared to season one. Um so he was appearing in a lot of the games, James, but he wasn't playing as much football as he had done in season one under Ange Postacoglu. Um so yeah, I, I really am excited to see how he's going to develop. I want to talk a wee bit about the experience of going over to Japan and then taking Celtic over to Dublin because you know I've been mentioning this time and time again. I don't think we do it often enough. I'm talking about Ireland taking Celtic over to Ireland. We don't do it often enough. Um, it's like the as well. The, I know. There's not really excuses for the club not to. When was the last time we went over? Was it the Amido Balde friendly against Liverpool? Was that the last time? Is that what we're calling it? The Amido Balde? Because I know exactly Baldi. what you're talking about when you call it that. <laughs> well, did, did we not play Barcelona in a friendly over in Ireland? I, awesome. I we did. I remember there's a photo of Scott Brown and Messi with the, the bleach blonde hair. That's right. That's right. That's yeah, we did. We did. But, a screamer against Leicester in that wee tour as well. Do you remember mm-hmm. having the centre back, you and O'Connor? I do. But, you know, talking about young players coming through, and, it, you know, I was going to say that when you were talking about the Golden Boys and the different lists you get and all that, you know, on an annual basis with the big you know, uh, credible magazines, for example, who come out with the, the generational talents and everything. And, you know, reading this morning about Karamoko Dembele and the fact that his move to France hasn't worked out for him, he might end up getting loaned out or punted. And, you know, I, I hate seeing that with footballers, but there are so many of them. There really are so many of them, James, that um, I don't know that, don't believe the hype. That That's a big title for me. Don't believe the hype. There's been so many players that's come through at Celtic who think that, they're up here and they should be getting a game and they're demanding game time and um, it doesn't work out. They go elsewhere and they maybe get um, a bit of a reality check, you know. And, and it's happened in football for years and years. And Dembele, I wish him all the best, still got time on his side, but, you know, you, you just hope that he is able um, to come through that as well. With, with regards to um, some of the other points that are coming through here as well, I, I want to talk about the Irish uh, trip and also want to talk about Japan. So you go over to these places. We haven't fed the any any kind of need for Celtics brand in Japan since Nakamura was at the club, right? And Liam Carrigan and I spoke about this because you know we we obviously didn't buy Nakamura from a Japanese club, but you know his fan base and and uh, you know the fact that he was an international footballing hero and a god and everything else. We had them here at Celtic, and it was at that point that you know we start translating the website into Japanese and all that kind of stuff. But when he leaves the club, we do nothing to continue to you know for me engage with that fan base who might have only been interested in Celtic because of Nakamura, and we didn't do it for for a long, long time. And then we start buying Japanese players again, so we go over, and it's it's uh, you know understandable why we did it we go over to japan but for me it's not just about going over and playing a couple of games because the attendances were not great and you need to obviously build on that 
And I think the same can be said about our trip to the Aviva. So was there 28,000 at the game, I think, 28,000, um, which is, is a decent, listen, it's a decent turnout for a pre-season friendly that was originally going to be played in South Korea. So it wasn't announced six months ago. I understand that the pricing of it was pretty high. Times are hard financially. I get all of that. But as a club, Celtic, can and should do it better. I'm going to use the women's game at the weekend as an example, James. Uh, we're a patron. Last season, we were anyway a patron of the women's team. We have heard nothing in relation to, um, you know, resubscribing to that this season. No one's even contacted us. Uh, no one sent us the details as they normally do for the women's fixtures. And yet, they want us just to support the, the game. And I think there's a lot of things, a lot of simple, basic things that aren't being done right. So when you look at that game over in Dublin, you don't just leave it at that. You think to yourself, why was there only 28? How can we make it 35? How can we build it to 40? How can we sell the stadium out? And there's ways to do that. You've got to take Celtic to them rather than just open the doors and expect it. I remember going over to uh, St. Pauli, right? and um, falling in love with the team and the, and the fan base and everything else and got really, really friendly with a couple of the, the, the fans over there. And they were really interested in the Celtic thing. They wanted to come over and experience Celtic Park. And you're speaking to them, James, right? And this is from the outside looking in. They want to see it on a, a, a midweek game under the lights, right? They want to see the huddle. They want to see Celtic fans singing. They want to feel experience, what they yeah. think the Celtic Park experience is. So when we're going to all these places, we need to ensure that we give these places that experience. I don't think we've done, we've done that because that involves engaging with the fan base and fan groups and making sure that we can do that and represent what the Celtic experience is. I think we can do it a lot, lot better. Yeah, I think that's not just Celtic. Though. I think if Liverpool go on a tour of Thailand or wherever, they're not going to get the copy and the atmosphere that I might be expecting. Even the tourism atmosphere has sort of brought itself to Anfield in itself when you see the crowd that's just filled with people with phones nowadays. But we all like to slag off the Premier League. No, no one really likes to give it the credit where it sometimes has earned it. One of the places the Premier League has earned it is that for years it's put in the work to build up the brand of the Premier League by doing... They've been doing tours of Asia for like the last decade, the last 10 15 years I've been doing these games over in America. It's all about building up the brand. It didn't just happen with the press of a button or the click of a finger. They've been putting in the work to build up the brand for years. So now the kids that are in schools over in Japan or wherever, they're thinking, what football team do I support? Well, Arsenal play Liverpool on Monday night. Let's go see that game. Whoever wins will support that team. We need to give them the option, why don't I support Celtic? It's going to be hard to, to try and Sort makes Celtic as big a brand as what some of those Premier League teams are just because of the sheer money they have but we need to give these fans the option of why don't I support Celtic Brendan Rodgers mentioned the importance of building up Celtic the brand because it's easy if if, it's, if they fans are going to find it quite hard to get behind a team that's playing in the Scottish League we need to sort of let, let them know the tradition of the club it's to get behind the history of Celtic to get behind the trophies that the club's won the dedication of the fans, that's the sort of stuff that can totally. sort of win, these, win new fans over because they'll feel like they're a part of something. But when you're at Celtic Park, it feels like everybody's together, all singing from the same song book. It's, it's great, but it's it, as you, I mentioned at the start, it's hard to make them feel a part of it. But we need to do more to build up the brand. Brendan Rogers has mentioned that. And hopefully this summer is just a start of it. Hopefully we can do something more Next year, we've done Australia, we've done Japan, we might maybe do something in America next summer. Who knows? But if, if we can keep building up Celtic, the brand, I'm sure it could be good things for the club. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, you're right. And, and by the way, the example I gave there, in, you know, St. Pauli, who for many, many years have played in the second tier of German football. So it wasn't because they played in a sexy league as such that people were drawn towards them. It was 
something completely different. There was a cult element of that football team in the, in the pretty modern day, actually, where their history uh, became something a wee bit different. And it was uh, pirates, politics and punks. You know, that was the whole thing. And that's what drew me towards them. Uh, Celtic have got that and an incredible history. And that's what can draw people towards Celtic, despite the fact that we're playing this goldfish bowl of a league. Um, and we'll, we'll obviously uh, speak about the fact that there's a comment coming in here in terms of the, the wage cap that Celtic have got. And uh, it's Robert Highland here. We have it. Celtic will never attract next level players unless they raise the salary cap. And we'll never raise the salary cap unless we play in a different league. So there's things holding us back from doing that. Uh, we can't throw 40 grand at half a dozen players um, in terms of their weekly salary because we, we just couldn't be, you know, we couldn't withstand the, the financial hit that that would incur. So, yeah, I totally get what Robert's saying there. But, um, yeah, we can do it better. That's all I'm saying. And I've had my wee moan about the fact that uh, mm -hmm. we're obviously, in, in terms of communication, some things are really, really easy. Um, talking about, so we've got about a thousand live on this Monday afternoon. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We do not take a single viewer for granted. And that's what's great about doing the live gigs. You get to meet people um, who tune in. Uh, Joseph McGonigal, um, thank you very much for getting involved on the super chat as well, which is an option you can you can take and uh, you can get involved in that. You you can become a member on YouTube. You can subscribe for free on YouTube. Whatever you decide is best for yourself, get involved. Give us a thumbs up, and if you want to make comments, just subscribe. You can do that. Absolutely, John Sweeney. If we got injuries at the back, I would prefer Scales to Kobayashi. Kobayashi is going to need a bit of work. I think Brennan Rodgers is going to have to work on his confidence. He's going to really have to, to work on the player. And it looked as though he was going to give him all the game time that he needed during the pre-season anyway, James. But uh, then he got injured, you know. But I'm not writing him off yet. I don't think we can write him off. I think it's he's in quite a hard situation where players, you can have a few bad games and the fans might let you off with it. But Kobayashi's committed the unforgivable sin of having a bad game in a game against Rangers, which those games hold far more volume and stand out a lot more than if you're to have a 5 out of 10 performance at home tabs or whatever. So I feel like it's going to be harder for him to sort of repair his reputation with the fans just based on the fact that he had the poor game against Rangers. And I think he's going to need to sort of muscle up a bit as well. He's He's been getting bullied quite a bit. When he's been playing, I remember, I think it was John Souter that basically absolutely flattened him to get yeah. to that. And I think I made the point that I don't think Stephen Welsh gets bullied like that if he's going for a goal. So it's going to take a lot for Kobayashi to sort of, if he's going to get a starting place at Celtic, which it seems a bit far-fetched at the moment. But his place in the pecking order, it will be up for a question. Where, where do you think it lies? Sort of in the Celtic standing at centre-back? For me, on a personal level, I would say that he's uh, behind Welsh. I agree with that. I, I really do. Um, and, and in front of Welsh, I would have the obvious two plus our new signing, Nuroski. What am I even basing that on? I'm basing it on the fact that he's been bought within a, a certain framework. You know, the, the transfer fee, you don't shell out between four and five million pounds at Celtic unless you're expecting that player to be a first-team player. Um, so mm -hmm. I think he's as low as fifth in the pecking order. Yeah, the thing is with Kobayashi, he was definitely an Ange signing. We wouldn't have brought Kobayashi in if Ange wasn't at the club, I don't think. And the fact that Ange was losing trust with him towards the end of last season to the point where he would play a defensive midfielder at centre-back rather than start Yuki Kobayashi, I think that said a lot about him at Celtic. He's going to need a big summer if he's going to sort of get a place in, in the team. And that's if it's, if it's not gone, or, or gone already. You know, you're right about the uh, the situation at the end of last season where Kobayashi was dropped. You know, he was dropped for the Scottish Cup final, and uh, you looked at that lineup. Welsh made it onto the bench. Kobayashi was unceremoniously dropped from proceedings. Uh, what does that do to a player's confidence when it's that manager that, that's brought you over? Ange was thinking. You know, at that stage, I'm guessing he already knew what his future uh, plans were. Well, we know that he did. He definitely knew where he was going. Um, so he wasn't really thinking about the long-term impacts of dropping a player. He just wanted to get the result. So I get it. 
but yeah, Brennan Rodgers is going to have to do some work on building him back up. That's something that he's good at, though. Um, Ryan H, we're talking about people coming through. Ben, don't get in minutes for Liverpool in pre-season. Still think we made a mistake selling him. Um, yeah, I think that there's a situation with Ben Doak that was an unfortunate one for us as a football club in that the minute a team like Liverpool comes along, it's going to be so, so tough. And I think the last throw of the dice was get him into the first team and we gave him a few games in the first team. But the, the minute Liverpool wanted Ben Doak, we, we were we were up against it, weren't we? Yeah, I think Ben Doak, he was about 16 when Liverpool registered their interest as well. So... It's not as if there's a lot Celtic could have done. It's not as if you were giving him a lack of game time, so he jumped ship. It was he just turned sixteen. He'd only just became eligible to play in the first team. We'd give him, I think it was two or three games. He made an impact. I think it was was it Ross County or Dundee United we had. I think he made. He a played, real... Yeah, Dundee United he played against. Yeah, and they got an opportunity in a derby game as well. Which, <laughs> as much as Celtic were three 0 up and absolutely coasting it and he was getting brought in with three minutes to go, it's still a big moment for him. I think he grew up a Celtic fan, so it's a massive moment for his, his family as well. And he's, he's had first-team minutes at Liverpool. I think last season he had more mm-hmm. minutes for Liverpool than he did in his spell at Celtic, and he's been impressing in competitions like the English League Cup down there. The, the opening rounds of that competition is basically a chance for the top six Premier League teams to basically give the B teams a chance. Then yeah. you see guys like Ben Dolt play from the start and impress. He scored his first senior goal um, last night in one of Liverpool's friendlies. But I don't think there's much Celtic could have done to keep Ben Dolt at the Cubs. So I think if you're going to enjoy watching Ben Dolt play, it'll probably need to be for the Scotland national team. If we could perhaps get on a loan deal back sometime in about a year or two from now, that would, that would be great. But... I don't think you can sort of hold Celtic to that too much for losing Ben. I don't think there's much we could have done. No, you're right. And, you know, I think that the way that Klopp speaks about him as well, James, he's full of admiration for the kid. Anyone I've spoken to who's seen him playing, as, a, as a, I say, as a kid, he still is a kid, but when he was even younger, they spoke about comparisons and people don't like doing this, but comparisons with a young Wayne Rooney. Remember Wayne Rooney at that age who, when he started training with the Everton first team at 15, he was just bossing it, which is bizarre when you look at the players he was playing alongside. So there was there was comparisons there. Um, yeah, I wish him all the best. I don't think we could have done a great deal with Ben Doak, but uh, let's hope that he continues to develop. We've got CJ it's Dublin as well. That trip could cost upwards of 500 quid ahead, a lot of money to drop with 17 days notice. Yes, I think that the 28,000 attendance was very impressive. I know that there are other games getting played over um, in Ireland that are that are demanding and commanding rather more people at them. However, we need to work on it. We need to build it up. Now, Quan and Yang played um, at the weekend, James. They might have come on after you stopped watching the game. I'm not sure. Uh, I missed them. You, you missed their appearance. I was really impressed with them, right? Now, as I've said before, I don't expect them to be... Uh, like Nuroski and and really fighting for a first team. Well, they'll be fighting for a first team jersey, but they won't be expecting to play. I don't think. Um, and I hope that they get more minutes tomorrow night in, in the James Forrest testimonial. But but what I took from their performance was that it wasn't really under the radar. They got involved straight off the bat. They seemed, you know, to be quite happy about being physical which I thought was brilliant, right? So they were getting stuck right in, penalised um, as well a couple of times during during their cameo appearances. But from what I've seen, and it is hard to make a, a judgment uh, when it's only a few minutes, I thought both players looked very, very good. I'm looking forward to seeing more of them tomorrow night. Brendan Rodgers has spoken about using the opportunity of that testimonial to get as much minutes into the legs as possible, into as many players as possible as well. It could be a situation where there's wholesale changes, you know, here and there during the game. But I'm going to link in what's happening tomorrow night to uh, what happened on Friday night, because I was talking to uh, Roy Aiken, as you know, and uh, Roy Aiken enjoyed a testimonial at Celtic at a time where it was normal, I would say, for a player to spend a decade or 12 years or, in Roy's case, 15 years at a football club that's not normal anymore. You know, that this is James is an anomaly in modern football, uh, James. And I think that, you know, it's something that needs to be celebrated. I heard yesterday the rumour 
that over 50,000 tickets had sold for the game. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that as a celebration to someone who is a one-club man and who has contributed positively in every season of the previous 14 seasons. Yeah, it's always great to commemorate these guys because we're winning so many trophies in the last sort of 10, 15 years and it's easy to take it, take things for granted, which means it's easy to take players for granted as well. And I remember, I think the last testimonial we might have had at Celtic Park was Scott Brown's testimonial. And you think how big a sort of celebration that was. You had the likes of Henrik Larsson warming up on the touchline with Moussa Dembele and Odds and Edward. I remember that was a bit of a world's colliding sort of moment there. And I hope we can get a similar celebration for James Forrest, my entire Celtic support in life, although it might be limited as the, the comments like to let me know time and time again <laughs> um, James Forrest has been a big part of that, a lot of trophies James Forrest has been the main man one of my favourite Celtic goals well, my favourite game as a Celtic fan, beating Rangers 5-0 to win the league James Forrest scores the best goal of that match, by absolutely rinsing two Rangers players and firing the ball into the back of the net, it's He's a Celtic legend. There's no other real way to put it. And we'll hopefully have something like this in a few more years' time to celebrate Cal McGregor and what he's done to the club. As you mentioned, players like this are hard to come by. So when they do appear and they do give the fans a pleasure of their services for over a decade, you've got to to enjoy it. No, you're right. And, you you know, this. It's within that era where how often do we talk about a lack of loyalty? I mean, you know, we were all gutted when Ange Postacoglu left the building. We were gutted when Brennan Rodgers left the building. Um, You know, a a few managerial appointments before him. So when someone does stay and shows that loyalty, I think we need to celebrate it. Um, With regards to what is uh, a subscriber and a member and a sticker and a super sticker, these are all options on YouTube that you can... uh, take and you know I'm going to say to you with regards to anything financial when it comes to Axom what we would do with anything that comes into Axom is we hope to build the channel first and foremost uh, create more content more quality content in relation to obviously going through to Parkhead that's the first uh, additional channel content that we're we're adding on there where we employ a a videographer to record us and edit us and, and all that kind of stuff so we're going to improve the content that we provide and it'll allow us also to to, um, set up live events whereby we hope to be able to raise as much as we can for charity as well and without the platform you don't have the opportunity to make as much for the charities James so we were looking at the uh, total amount that we were able to raise so far and it's um, it's an incredible amount we're heading towards 95 grand you know as a platform having raised for, for good uh, causes and by the end of this year the chances are that'll go up to 100 grand so it, it does feed into that although it's not a donation maybe to the charity initially it gives us a platform that allows us to then go to a wider audience and uh, Kieran W is the latest person to get involved in that great avatar as well uh, Kieran. and what also happens obviously if you get into a super chat is you know you are highlighted instantly and it allows us to, to bring it up um, as well that does not stop us from bringing up people like Daniel F who has been really surprised with how comfortable Big Scales has been. He's certainly the best of our backup defenders, and he's a left-footed defender. I'd keep him around this season. I think there are decisions to be made on both the players that we've mentioned who are in that kind of same position, I feel. Um, I think that the front six is far more established than the defence, and there's a lot of questions to be asked around various uh, positions in there. Another um, passing over the, the weekend as well was Benny Rooney, James. Now, Benny Rooney was someone who played for Celtic. He signed for Celtic and um, he later moved on to St. Johnson and Morton. He managed Morton and uh, he he created and developed a really entertaining side um, at what is a provincial club at Greenock Morton. And he's an absolute legend at that club. Uh, Benny's dad was Bob Rooney. Bob Rooney was officially the physiotherapist for the Lisbon Lions. Uh, But Benny... You know, laughed when we spoke about it actually um, many years ago. He says that he, he didn't have a physiotherapy uh, qualification ever in his life. He had a heat lamp, but that, that was the kind of extent of his physiotherapy. But Bob Rooney uh, was part of the trusted backroom team that uh, Jock Steen had for a number of years at Celtic Park alongside people like Sean Fallon and Neely Mockin, uh, even Jimmy Steele, the masseur, and uh, 
you know, Willie Fernie for a spell looking after the second team. John Higgins, who used to scout and sign up the young players. He had a real bond with the backroom team. And Bob Rooney was part of that. Benny Rooney uh, was his son. And, uh, you know, w- when you hear that these people pass on, it, it just it reminds you of times where they have assisted you in the past as much as anything, James, and Benny Rooney did assist me uh, in the writing of my first book. So thoughts and prayers with his friends and family. Also, always sad to lose uh, a member of the Celtic family. Um, one last thing, just before we go, uh, Ben McPherson has made a few appearances in the preseason, and it brings to mind the fact that, you know, he had a decent half hour, I felt, against uh, Wolves. I thought he really acquitted himself well. Um, and I've been pretty impressed with Vata and Lavel as well. What do we do with them this season? What do we do with these guys to make sure that they develop, James? I'm not too sure. We've mentioned how bloated the squad is already. Not too many of these players are going to get game time. You think if anybody, maybe Rocco Vata, if any of them are going to get some game time. But I think the loan market has, as much as some players do fail when they go out alone, they get caught up. It turns into a cycle almost. So I've seen players that have gone out alone and have succeeded, like Christopher Ayer. Carl McGregor in sort of the last decade or so. So maybe a loan move could be the way to do it, whether that be in the Scottish lower leagues or going to um, the lower leagues in England. Who knows? But we need to get them some game time. That's that's sort of the best way to put it. And you're not going to get the... If you're playing in the loan league, the level of quality of the football, it's not high enough for them to develop into a Celtic quality player. I follow Bonnerick Rose every weekend to watch League Two football, and I know that you're not going to develop playing at that level. If the lower league's the level below it, then I think we need to find somewhere else to try and house some of our talents. We've seen some of them going to the Austrian league, the team that we've parted up with, Admira Vaca, I think yeah. that's the name of the team, Oliwayemi, and someone else joined them. Was it Matthew Anderson that joined them over there? And there's another two that are uh, heading over as well, one of, one of whom is Joey Dawson. Joey Dawson heading over. Well, I've, whenever I've seen Joey Dawson, I've always been impressed with him, whether it be if I've got along to a B-team game in person or even when he made that appearance like on Boxing Day against St. John's, I didn't think he was that bad when he came. When he probably should have had a goal. But I think a loan spell was probably the best thing to do to develop some of our players. No, I think so as well. And when you look at what is the uh, alternative, it's B-team football, it's fifth-tier football in the Scottish uh, League. So I think that it's, uh, for me, it's the best way to develop them. And also, you need to have someone who looks after the lone players as well. That That's something that's very, very important. We have, of course, been uh, drawn against Kilmarnock away in the quarterfinal of the League Cup, James. It's a trophy that we want to defend. I think that there's a, a real, um, for me, there's, there's a real importance on getting that first trophy. Uh, I think you've seen the impact of that in Angie's first season. You've seen it in Vim Janssen's season as well. Um, and I'm looking forward to that game and I hope that we have enough in the tank and enough new signings by then as well to get uh, to get through that particular game. I'm pretty sure we will. Uh, no complacency, however. Um, if you like what we do, give us a thumbs up on the YouTube channel. Get involved uh, with the chat just by subscribing to the channel as well. And if you want to come along to one of these gigs that uh, we've been doing all year, and they're great fun, absolutely love it. If you can imagine sharing a stage with an ex-Celt like Charlie Mulgrew or Aidan McGeady, you know how buzzing I am every time we do these gigs. Uh, the next one is at the pub uh, that that belongs to Jackie McNamara and Simon Donnelly. Um, so they'll be kicking about that night as well. Um, not many tickets left for this one. It's been very popular. But if you want to come along and join us and have a wee chat and get involved in uh, all things Celtic that night, ticket link is underneath the video as well. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. A thousand strong on the uh, bulletin today, which is tremendous on a Monday afternoon. I really appreciate it. And thank you to James McKenzie for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Social Podcast Network.